Affordable housing is a basic human right, and to build a better Kentucky where all our people can thrive, safe and reliable housing is absolutely essential. I wanted to be better and meet those goals, and it wouldn't have been possible without Kentucky housing. Knowing that I had a roof over my head, um, food to eat, knowing that I didn't have to want for anything, um, that's a that's a big plus. Being a single parent and not having to worry about um, you know housing, uh, paying bills while you know being in school. But I am here to tell you that there is a lot of beauty in this part of the county. Bringing it home with KHC. I'm your host, Nicaea Patterson, and we have a treat for you today. Terry Knott and Melanie Yarmy of Stockton Mortgage are joining me to discuss how they improve home ownership opportunities for their clients. We will cover ethical representation in the industry, challenges lenders face, and how they work their magic using Kentucky Housing's down payment assistance and mortgage credit certificate programs. It is a fun and informative listen and extremely timely. Later this month, we will name Kentucky Housing's top lenders for 2022. Last year, both Terry and Melanie were both on that list. Stay tuned to our social media to see who the leading lenders are this year. Now kick back and enjoy. So thank you guys for joining us today. Um, I'm just going to start things off and you can go in whatever order you please. But um, just tell us your name and a little bit about what you do and your your title. Terry, you can go first. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, my name is Terry Knott. I am a mortgage loan officer for Stockton Mortgage. I've been in the business over 26 years, and I specialize in affordable housing. Um, it's my passion. Um, I've dealt with a lot of different um, boards, um, for instance, NARAB, which is the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. I currently sit on the board and I'm also the outreach chair for that committee. Um, also, I work with Kentucky Housing Corporation, uh, Louisville Metro Housing, and any other organization to help uh, affordability for my home buyers. Um, my name is Melanie Army. I'm a mortgage loan officer with Stockton Mortgage as well. Um, I've been in the business for seven years, which happens to be my favorite number too. So I'm going to be sad when we get to eight. Um, <laughs> I specialize in uh, first time home buyers and veteran loans. Uh, those tend to be like my niche and my favorite type of clients um, just because it's one, first-time home buyers have never owned a home before, so it's always awesome to give them a piece of that American dream. Um, and then veterans, of course, my husband's a veteran, and I think it's awesome to just help, you know, give back to the community in that perspective as well. Um, I also work with uh, NARAB as well, like Miss Knott, um, and as well as Kentucky Housing Corporation, of course, and a little bit of Louisville Metro, but I'm in a Lexington office, so I don't do quite as much. Um, but essentially, yeah, that's it. I'm just excited to be here and excited for the opportunity to see what Ms. Nod and I can deliver to the people to help with home ownership. So I'm really glad that you uh, brought up the veterans, uh, Melanie. 
um, because at Kentucky Housing, um, our founder, Representative May Street Kid, her whole purpose of founding Kentucky Housing was to make sure that all people in our communities had those opportunities to become homeowners. Um, no matter what you look like or what your position was, whether you were a veteran or any kind of assistance that people needed. So I think my question for the both of you would be, um, do you all think that we have accomplished that goal of providing affordable housing and opportunities for people in the state? Or do you think we have kind of like some room to grow in that area? I think that we are definitely filling that gap actively, if I can say it that way. Um, I absolutely love Kentucky Housing Corporation um, and the down payment assistance that they offer. And what I really like is that you all acclimate to the environment, especially when the market increased and the value of homes and the purchase price of homes skyrocketed. KHC was on it to increase the down payment assistance to accommodate buyers so that it could be an option for people to use that program. Um, I think with anything, there's always room for improvement, but Kentucky Housing isn't really doing anything bad. I think as the market continues to change, we're going to find some things and you're going to find some things that need to be addressed or changed or modified, but not because anything's wrong. It's just things are constantly changing. I totally agree with Melanie. Um, you all do, do a great job. I think we're, um, you know, doing a lot better. Um, and one thing that I love is that when we do, um, when you have meetings and your board meets, you all listen to what uh, we say that would help affordability. And, you know, the next thing we know, you've rolled some new program out <laughs> because you have listened to our advice. So I definitely think we're doing better and we appreciate what Kentucky Housing Corporation does as a uh, lender partner. Absolutely. Awesome. So I want to get a little bit into home ownership. Um, I know that you all are the experts, you're the boots to the ground, you work this business every day. So I would love to get your insight. Um, so one of the main staples for us is making sure that not only are you investing in housing, but making sure that it's affordable, right? And so my question is, um, how important is it for buyers to invest in an affordable home versus just investing in a home? Um, oftentimes we hear that phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, mm -hmm. but <laughs> my question is, who are the Joneses and why are you <laughs> keeping up with them? Right. Like, why is that important? So um, can you all speak a little bit to that? I'll let you go first, Miss Terry. Okay. Um, I'm glad you asked that question because I had a, a client um, that was having a hard time finding a home. And it's because she wanted it to be everything to be updated. Um, but that was going to require her to pay 14000 more for the home than the other home that she looked at next door. Uh, which that puts that would put her over her debt to income ratio, so she could not afford that home, and she was so busy worried about what we could do to get her in that home instead of going with the home next door that had you know old cabinets and flooring. But I had to have a talk with her and let her know, hey, you can't in time, you know, if that house 
has good bones, then these are things you can make your own, okay, which it makes it affordable. You don't have to pay $14,000 more to have cabinets and, and a floor. You can, you know, eventually when you've saved enough, you can have those things done. So sometimes it's just looking past, like you said, the, the Joneses and, and, and just take your time because you, you're going to be owning the home, which builds wealth. Um, and you're able to, on your own time, fix, you know, the cabinets or get a new refrigerator and stove and, um, get the flooring that you want. Um, so it's very important because as inflation is rising, everything's so expensive. Uh, we still, you know, you still need a roof on your head. So that's why it's so important to, you know, for it to be affordable, um, so that you don't run into problems, which leads to stress and leads to, you know, everything else. Um, so thanks for asking that question. But yeah, that just made me think of a buyer that she ended up, she did go to the house, uh, the first house. Awesome. And uh, she just didn't see past the next door neighbor's house that had been updated. So she's very, you know, happy that she went ahead and went with the house that, Again, had good bones. It's a good, stable house, and as you know, over the years she can make it. You know what she wants to make it. So, Terry, I think you hit like a, a lot of things on the head with that story. Um, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, just a tiny bit, we had a pandemic, and that's something that most people in our generation have never seen before. And we didn't know how to prepare for it. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but because of that, a lot of people lost their jobs. So imagine buying the houses, trying to keep up with the Joneses and losing that house in a pandemic because you lost your job versus choosing the house that your client chose in the end, Ms. Terry, mm -hmm. um, and being able to afford and keep that through basically a national crisis. So right. I think it's important to live within your means with, with anything really, mm -hmm. um, because you just never know what could happen, um, what kind of shifts could happen that could cause you to be unemployed or you get sick or anything could happen and you lose the house that you worked so hard to purchase or obtain. Um, so it's really important for people to see um, like you said, Miss Terry, past the trees and see the bigger picture because it might be roses and sunshine today, but it could be a complete thunderstorm a month from now. So I think that's super important to just make sure that people are making conscious, uh, responsible decisions. And like you said, if it's not the home that they want now, the way that they are going to build equity in the home. I mean, if for some reason they hit the lottery or they become super stable and have, you know, the Dave Ramsey plan mastered or whatever the case may be, um, they can always sell and rebuy that dream house and use the equity that they built in the first house to go towards the next house and make that payment cheaper. So there's always a way to do it without having to just jump, you know, head first into something that might be um uh, quote-unquote, irresponsible at a later time. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And I'm still trying to master my day brainsy clinic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on my envelope system. I still go into the wrong envelope. Yeah. Um, out for the wrong time. And yeah, I'm still. <laughs> We're still learning. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. (laughs) We are still learning. Yeah, it's a process. Yes. Um, Yeah. But. um, It's good. (laughs) But my next question is um, what are some of the major pitfalls you see potential homeowners kind of fall into when they're starting the process of um, buying a home? Um, there's quite a few, to be honest. Um, one, I've never understood how this actually happens. And I don't know how, if there's a way to correct it. I think we've just accommodated to it, but I don't know if you've seen the same thing as Terry, but most of the time buyers go to the realtor first. They haven't looked at finances. They don't know how much they can afford. They haven't looked at anything. All they saw is they drove down the street, saw a for sale sign, looked it up on Zillow. It was actually beautiful and they wanted to purchase it. And they called the realtor on the sign or a realtor they know. And then they haven't been pre-approved. Um, so I don't know how to make that shift to where buyers know to get pre-approved first and then go to a realtor because sometimes it sets them up to fail for failure in that they can't afford that home or it might be outside their means or whatever the case may be. I think it's just sometimes a lack of knowledge and people don't know. And I've seen like a lot of buyers who didn't know what a lender does. Like mainly they think they start with the realtor and the realtor handles everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just a matter of getting that information out to buyers so that they know what to do, what to expect um, and how to proceed really. That's one, but I could think of multiple, but I'm, I'm going to let Miss Terry take the floor because we'll be here all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> we would. <laughs> Okay, I would just add that I think that um, credit, um, a lot of times the buyers want to um, do things on their own before they will even let you pull their credit. And a lot of times they're just making it harder because they may pay off something that really they didn't need to pay Mm -hmm. because now it's you know, reflected on the credit differently than what they thought. Okay, because sometimes when you close an account, it can really hurt your scores. Um, so I see that a lot is that, you know, they just want to kind of do things on their own because of what maybe they heard from a friend mm-hmm. and everybody's situation is different. So I just try to talk them into, just let me pull it. So you'll know, because I'm the one that's, you know, doing the financing for you. Um, so quit going and, and, getting with these companies that maybe you don't even need to get with and and paying them hundreds of dollars when all we needed to do was to pull your credit report. Mm -hmm. So credit is still a big issue. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly with that Mm -hmm. one. So what you're saying is I shouldn't go buy a Camaro before I close on my house. (laughs) Oh, Lord, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're going to pull your credit like 10 12 times, which is going to lower your score. And then, of course, with the new car payment, 
that could kill the whole deal. So please, yes, most definitely do not. When you're going through the process, do not buy anything. Okay? And we stress that here at Stockton. We send you all kind of videos. <laughs> yes. yes. Things that you should not do. <laughs> right. Things you should not do. And another thing is, you know, and we're your friend. You can tell us, you know, what's going on because we found out later, you know, it's too late. So, um, but yeah, no inquiries when you're going through the process. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> Noted. I'll hold off on the new car. Yes. <laughs> easier to get a car than it is a mortgage so therefore you should go with the mortgage first yes exactly mm-hmm. exactly so can you all speak to a little bit about um what the difference is in buying a home that's already built and versus uh building the home is there a difference in between those two processes and is one longer than the other how does that work Ms. Terry, you want to go first? Okay. Um, I will focus on probably the financing part of it. Um, when building a home, you know, you get pre-approved and say it's six months later before the house is done. A lot can happen in six months. So <laughs> sometimes new construction, it kind of scares me because you really have to keep your clients, um, you know, straight as far as making sure that they don't, again, open up any new credit, um, don't do anything to jeopardize their loan because you're, because we will have to update all your pay stubs, you know, um, bank, your bank account, um, so that we can make sure you still qualify. So that is one of the differences because um, just buying a home right out is normally 30 to 45 days for closing, but building a home is now about six months. Okay, so again, a lot can change uh, and people really have to be careful because we will have to pull your credit again because it's only good for, you know, 90 days. Okay, so that's just one of the things I like to point out when it comes to new construction. And Melanie, I'll let you just kind of talk about the, the difference. Of what- um, I mean, that's a, a good chunk of it. And then... Well, we also think, even if we think from the the perspective of the purchase of that home, um, say, for instance, if I started the process to build a house now and it's not going to be done until, we'll say, December. After the, I mean, after COVID, we've seen how things have increased in price significantly. Mm -hmm. The cost of labor, the cost of, I mean, even just wood to build these things have increased significantly. So we could pre-approve a borrower today and, you know, for X amount of dollars, but, you know, by the time October, November gets here, everything went up. So then the cost of the home could have gone up or Mm -hmm. you get less quality items or something like that because the builders cut in corners or whatever the case may be. then there's a possibility that you can't even qualify for the home once it's actually built. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a bad idea to build a home because I'm OCD, so I'd probably prefer a new construction home. <laughs> but I feel like that's also for people who are pretty 
even kill, they're they're not any um, they're not like a a risky borrower, I should say. So maybe a salary employee employee that's been working with their employer for ten years and nothing's going to change, and they have a good amount of money saved up, or they can accommodate the increase or fluctuation in pricing and that kind of thing. Um, but for a first-time home buyer, I probably wouldn't recommend that because there's so many uh, outside uh, norms that could affect them being able to buy a home. Um, and what I've learned with first-time home buyers, anyway, they're super excited and anxious to buy a home. Anyway, they're they're probably wanting to buy now anyway. So naturally, it's probably easier to encourage them to to hop on a house that they can find now versus waiting for a home to be built. Um, I typically would like to say that will be more so for people that have already owned a home and then maybe on, you know, some years later decide to build a home um, because they're prepared. They already know what home ownerships is like. They kind of understand the economy and the market and that kind of thing. So it just makes it a little bit easier to make sure that they're able to maintain and keep that home long term. A lot of people don't know the difference in don't know it's a decision it's definitely a decision yeah one thing i want, wanted to add is a lot of times the first-time home buyers feel like because the home is new that they shouldn't have a home inspection yes and that's not the case you should definitely still have a home inspection absolutely absolutely make sure those pipes are good <laughs> I have no clue what happens in a home inspection. <laughs> I'm not even going to act like I do. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Make sure your water's running or something. Those are all valid points, though, so I can't even. Okay. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. You're spot on with that one. Awesome. So I want to pivot a little bit because um, those who are listening may not know that these. Two women with me today are the best of the best okay they're top of their game um and i'm really glad and honored to have them both um but i career-wise i just want to know um have there been any obstacles that you all have faced as lenders or anything that you um sort of overcome in your process of being lenders mm, i will say Real estate in general, even from a, a lender perspective or a real estate agent perspective, it can be a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Um, what I have been seeing a lot of, especially in the new market with um, higher interest rates and people not being comfortable with, you know, technically where rates are is pretty much normal, but where we had that, we'll say like one or two year period where rates were really low, people are spoiled. Um but essentially, people I've learned will do anything for business, even if that is causes them to violate RESPA, which um, you could lose your license over. You could go to jail. Um, and then I don't think people are like thinking of that. I think because they think they're not going to get caught and nobody's going to say anything. They're willing to do anything to obtain business. So then it makes it difficult for people like Miss Terry and I that are just trying to do our job legally the right way, provide information to clients um, based on the knowledge that we have versus let me buy you this cool gift 
or these are the things that I can give you if you choose me to do your loan or your business or whatever the case may be. Um, So essentially, sometimes it's just hard to be competitive with people who are, I guess, quote unquote, bending the rules when you're trying to stay on the straight and narrow. Um, and I would say that you that's a good point, Melanie. Um, I would say some of the things that um, I have seen change over the years um, since I've been in business is that um, as far as affordability, we're having more programs come out. Um, they're listening to what we're saying now because you may think the program is the best ever, but then our realtors say it sucks. So, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we have to go back to these boards and say, hey, you know, I know it seems like a great idea, but this is what's really going on. And I like that they're now listening to their lender partners. Um, And, you know, just again, with the programs that are out here, if you make it a stumbling block, then why have it? So I, um, I can say that over the years, we have came a long way. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that is really interesting. Um, I think you find a lot of things, a lot of fields where you always have those people that are just teetering on the ethical, unethical line. And yes. it's always so apparent. Um, what people are willing to do, and then it, it messes things up for people who are trying to do things the right way. So I think you see that in all fields, really. Um, so my next question is um, for potential home buyers, uh, first-time home buyers, I should say. Um, sometimes the process, I know for me, it can seem daunting a little scary, a little intense. Um, What are some of the things you do to kind of calm um, some of those fears that people may have before starting the process online? Um, So it's funny that you asked that. When I initially got into the lending business, um, one of my hashtags, well, my current one is mortgages by Melanie, that's easy. But another one that I accompanied with that one was this officer wears leggings. Um, So typically with first time home buyers, I would initially, I wasn't that person that wore the 20 piece suit to work. You know, I didn't have my red lipstick on and my Louis Vuitton and my red bottoms and, (laughs) you know, all business professional like I would often come to the office in just like a t-shirt that had mortgages by Melanie and leggings and some tennis shoes. Actually, I have tennis shoes on right now. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that it kind of lets their guard down. Um, I'm no longer in that. Not that I'm not professional. I'm just not coming off as um intimidating to say the least so i kind of come down to their level because they usually come in comfortable so we're there and we're just discussing we're talking as people more so than lender versus borrower um so it's more just like a conversation like we're having now um with typical buyers so what i realized is that it makes them more calm they're more open they're more relaxed um so they're able to just be more 
comfortable with the situation. So if they can go in comfortable and stress-free, then typically the process after that is pretty smooth and easygoing. So it's, I really think it's just that initial contact. I mean, you know how they say you only have one opportunity to make a first impression. So I just try to bring their guard down. And then after we can get past that, it's pretty easy going. Like we just become friends and they're comfortable saying what they want to say. And I'm comfortable directing them on what they need to do um, without them feeling stressed or anxious, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I'm yeah. glad you were letting me. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me very comfortable. <laughs> but yeah, you hit it on the head. One of the things you, you just said is that when they see you, which means you need to meet with them. Because I can say in 2020, when I didn't get to meet with those clients, it was the best year I ever had. And, you know, my whole industry, you know, industry uh, numbers and everything, mm-hmm. but I didn't get to meet with them. And I felt like, oh my gosh, how I normally know who, who they are. And, I'm, you know, and like you said, some you become friends with. I didn't have that opportunity in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that feeling. So I think that it helped. And I think that with your buyers, they have more questions when they're in front of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think you can break it down and slow it down sometimes because it can be overwhelming. You know, hit them with all that <laughs> at mm-hmm. one time. So, again, you know, some people don't meet with their clients. But if I can't, I know sometimes it's a convenient thing. Some buyers don't want to. But I recommend it. Um, just again, so they can see who you are, yes. um, and feel more comfortable to ask questions right there with you instead of over the phone. You know what I'm saying? And, and make sure, and you can look at them to see if they really understand, and let them know, hey, if you don't understand that, you know, this is my expertise, but I need to deliver it to where you understand. Yes, yes, absolutely. I can imagine how challenging the pandemic was trying to make these transactions uh, of what the people trying to purchase homes. Um, it seems like it would be very difficult to try to build those connections with people. Um, has it gotten better now that things have sort of lifted a little bit? Yes. It, it has most definitely because, like I said, twenty twenty. I think my jaws were gonna fall off because all I did was talk <laughs> on the phone all day. And you're working from home, so you look up and it's seven, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, but I think people are just excited to be able to meet with you again, anyway. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, just and it to get out makes, the house. yeah, and it makes that communication better. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I'm sure the realtors say the same thing. I will say that the closing pictures look so much better when you can see people's beautiful smiles versus those masks. Yes. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yes. yes. <laughs> Please take your mask off. We don't know who bought the house. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Right. So I want to see what you all's predictions are for where the housing market is going. Um, looking through your magic eight ball, your, your that so raven moment. Where do you see <laughs> the housing market sort of going? What's your prediction, if you could, for this year and beyond? 
Oh, Miss Terry, you're going to have to start that one, honey. Okay. 20 plus years in the industry. (laughs) Honey. Okay, I'll start then. Um, For this year, I think it'll be similar to 2022. But I will say later, maybe in about three to four years, we'll probably start seeing foreclosures again, is my prediction. Um, And I hope it's not like how 2008 was, but... You know, with it's, I mean, you just see it because if they're saying that the rates are not going to be back in the three and the fours uh, and everything else is, you know, inflation still have it. You know, we we still are going to have to adjust, but it may be a lot of people that are not going to be able to adjust. Um, and I don't see that we have much fallout money anymore, bailout money that we did during the pandemic. So if we don't get any more, you know, bailout money, then I'm thinking that's probably when we're going to start seeing a buyer's market again. I think that's, I mean, unfortunately, as bad as it sounds, I think that's pretty spot on because everything's still increasing. Even if rates stay where they are, if the cost of everything is going up and people's incomes aren't going up to match. Right. At some point it's going to, you know, overpower everything. And it's just going to be like, we can't afford the basic necessities, if that makes sense. Um, So I'm hoping that because Ms. Terry, I don't think you're the first for sure to feel like that. And I'm hoping that because people are probably thinking the same thing, that they're working towards ways to avoid that or shift it or something like that. Um, Because even if rates stay where they are and the cost of homes don't continue to increase, then that still could be a negative thing because that equity that we were used to constantly building as we own a home, what if it goes backwards and then the value of the home decreases? So now we have high interest, well, no, normal interest rates, um, the value of homes being stagnant and people and the cost of everything increasing, but nobody's income is increasing. So it's it's a little concerning. Um, I don't know how we fill that void, if that makes sense, because honestly, I think that's up to the employers, you know, just reaching a little bit deeper in their pockets to pay uh, employees. And I don't be don't naturally have any control over that. So I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just hoping that by some miracle happens or the opposite of a pandemic happens and the world just, I don't know, opens up and flourishes. We'll just go with that and try to be positive. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Right. And we definitely see that a lot with like, especially with inflation and being able to afford things. Um, I just like found out last month, my grandparents have lived in their home for um, maybe over 40 years. And when they got it back in like the sixties, it was about a $40,000 home. And it was appraised recently for over 300K. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> And my grandmother is like, I'm glad we got it when we got it. <laughs> I'm never able to buy it now. Right. So 
That's yeah. just so crazy how times and inflation has just changed things so yeah. much. Um, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, very intense. So um, we're getting up on our 30-minute mark, and I definitely don't want to hose you ladies. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I think we've covered a lot. I mean... Miss Terry, is there anything you can think of? We have. I think we covered a lot. And I guess just from the last question on things that maybe we could do to try to get people prepared is I think we really have to get back to budgeting. Because mm-hmm. um, like, you know, we've said everything cost of living has went up. So we're, we're just going to have to learn how to have a stricter budget because we still have to have a roof over our head. And either we're going to buy or we're going to pay for expensive rent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I just think that we just have to to push that, push budgeting and getting our credit together. Yes. Um, yes, push that narrative. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are definitely important. Um can you all let the people know where they can find you at if they say, oh, I I like that Melanie and I like that Terry. <laughs> We're going to go to them to, to get our lending situation settled part first. How can they reach you? Okay. Um, I can be reached. Just Google mortgages by Melanie. It's easy to remember. Um, Melanie Army, you can call or text me anytime. Um Late night loan officer, uh, I can be reached at 205-249-7848. I would give my email address as Melanie at Stockton.com, but definitely call or text me so I can make sure I can get back to you as soon as possible. Or follow me on Instagram, which is also Mortgages by Melanie, um, and on Facebook, Mortgages by Melanie. So (laughs) just remember that. You'll find me. That is so cute. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm Terry Nye. You can reach me at 502-939-8374. Or my email address is tnot, K-N-O-T-T, at Stockton.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap for bringing it home today. We truly hope you've enjoyed our discussion. If you'd like to find out more information about Kentucky Housing Corporation, please feel free to visit www.kyhousing.org. That's www.kyhousing.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast and blog, you can also visit www.bringingithomeky.com. That's www.bringingithomeky.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, You can also email us at communications at kyhousing.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you bring it home with us again.